0: everyone. This is Michelle Gale. I'm so grateful you're here. And before we get started, I just wanted to share with you that I'll be launching my first ever free online conference called Mindful Parenting in a Messy World from September 18th to the 20th. We're going to have 15 speaker interviews, some of which include Rick Hansen, Susan Kaiser Greenland, Dr. Shefali Sabari. You can register at slash podcast. Make sure to register here because I'll be sending my podcast listeners a free bonus webinar titled Big Emotions and What to Do with Them. You can also find that link in the podcast notes. And I'm also offering a four-week online course in October called Mindful Parenting, The Foundations of Practice. It'll be a weekly course focused on mindfulness of the breath, body, emotions, and thoughts. We'll have a private Facebook group and weekly practices and it'll be recorded each time so you can watch whenever it works for you. I'd love to have you join me. You can go to my website, BeAMindfulParent.com for more information, or just sign up to my weekly email list, and you'll stay up to date on all the ways we can grow together as a community, and you will also receive my weekly musings. (laughs) Enjoy the podcast. Thanks for being here. Hi, everyone. My name is Michelle Gale. I'm your host. Welcome. I am here today with the amazing Andrew Newman. And he has actually been on my podcast before. We've been friends for a few years now. He does beautiful work in the world. Let me read a little bit about him to you. Um, Andrew has followed his deep longing for connection and his passion for spiritual development in a 12 year long study of healing. He's a graduate of the Barbara Brennan School of Healing and a qualified non-dual Kabbalistic healer. Did I say that right, Andrew? Kabbalistic? Did I yep, say that?
1: Kabbalistic.
0: kabbalistic. He's been actively involved in men's work through the Mankind Project since 2006. His portfolio of work, alongside his therapy practice, includes publishing over 1,500 donated poems as the Poem Catcher, Volunteer <laughs> Coordinator for Habitat for Humanity in South Africa, and directing Eidenberg's Festival of Spirituality and Peace. Welcome, Andrew. Thanks, Michelle. What a great pleasure to be sitting with you again. It's so nice to have you. And, you know, I'd love to start off by talking about um, this circle work I know that you've been involved in. Before we came online, we were realizing we have this connection. My husband's been very involved in the Mankind Project for many years, sitting in circle. And I know that's something you share within the Mankind Project and previously in South Africa. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, way back in 2006, I discovered the men's work of the Mankind Project. At the time, I was training in healing schools that were very, uh, uh, let's say, 80% female. um, Mm. And and I complemented that by getting into the men's work. And I started sitting in circle. And the language became normal for me so you hear me say i'm used to sitting in circle i'm used to calling circle in other words inviting people into circle Mm. Uh, i feel whenever whenever that happens for me it's a container for uh, my own personal safety and where i can drop and be much clearer within myself about what's going on inside of me so Mm -hmm. i truly believe that uh, that we are circle people that the original villages that we all stem from um uh, we're all circles for many good reasons um and places where we could uh rest heads and and uh, uh on shoulders and feel each other's heartbeat and sit knee to knee and um you know those are some values that i'm, I'm hope I, I see that you know i see that in the corporate world and i see that in the um the uh um, the academic world and the place that you, you, you know, some sometimes for kids in their training, that we that we put in very neat rows, um, and we don't get to have the connection and the and the sense of belonging that a circle does. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's that's why the next story, you know.
0: Exactly, that's such a good lead in. Would you would you show us the cover? Uh, so I didn't mention that Andrew has this amazing group. Um, all the, what is it called? The Conscious Bedtime Stories. It's a club. You can buy them individually, but it's also a club. Tell us a little bit about Conscious Bedtime Stories. Wait, hold it up again, The Circle People. This is going to be the yeah. new, one of the new books, We Are Circle People. We
1: How Are we? Circle <laughs> People. <gasps> so and, uh, and there's this uh, um, helping children find connection and belonging in the modern day village. Uh, <laughs> and so a mysterious visitor from a faraway place arrives in the square village, bringing long forgotten wisdom and and weaving beautiful healing melodies and we get to follow the visitors wisdom through dreamland and fire as the square people rediscover
0: connection softness and happiness mm, and there's another book we show i actually got to give one of the uh, acknowledgements for one of my friends wrote something really kind for the back of this this is oh the girl, yes, with, the the girl with the waterfall eyes yeah and look i'll hold one i have the hug who got stuck which is Uh, one of our favorites. We have all of them and we love them. So they're just beautiful stories for bedtime. i got to give
1: a big shout to Alexis, who's the illustrator. I mean, she, Alexis Aramson, back in Cape Town,
0: South uh, Africa, what an amazing job she's done on these. Oh my goodness. Her artwork is just breathtaking. It's just breathtaking. And this leads into, um, you gave a TED Talk on this recently around, you share, what was the TED Talk about
1: well, it's titled, Why the Last 20 Minutes of the Day Matter. And um, this is something that I got, uh, got super fascinated with when I was training as a healer and learning how to help people in, on their uh, journey to kind of, um, well, in, a, in a way, if I was talking about an adult, I might talk about redirecting the adult soul back to its true essence.
0: Uh, um, wait, pause for a second. So redirecting the, the adult soul back to its true essence. Back yes. to its true essence. Can you speak to that a little bit more? I'm not letting you go on too quickly from okay. that one.
1: Well, it seems that that on our journey as we grow up, we, uh, we start to get scared and defended by things in the mm. world. Um, and we start to perceive the world to be um, uh, more hostile than it is in its true nature. Mm. And and then so, so, you know, we would take a, take a playground incident happening with a kid. You know, you were sharing that. Uh, yeah, my uh, son got
0: hit yesterday. <laughs> Your
1: mm-hmm. son got hit, right? So now if he, if he lays a belief system on top of that and starts to get, develop a sticky thought that says, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not safe on the playground, then he's going to spend his, his lunches sitting inside and he's not going to go out and play. Yeah. Fast forward that 20 years time, we've forgotten about this one little incident that happened on the playground, but for some other reason, he doesn't like to leave the house right? Uh, you know, this is just one potential exaggerated example of how a defense system can get built into our being. Mm. And so when I say redirecting the adult soul back to its true essence, it's about meeting those behaviors in the adult um, and starting the inquiry about what's the underlying belief system there. Um, mm. And, and, and uh, you know, skillfully and and with hope and with some luck and of course with some spiritual support coming all the way back to um, to this, space inside which is free to run on the playground um, of life
0: yeah that's how well, so they
1: worked out right as a metaphor did not it
0: <laughs> yes and you know i feel like your books and certainly the work that i do in the world and many others of our colleagues um we're doing a lot of the work to try to help um help avoid some of that right so if i think about the conversation I had with Brody when he got home yesterday, you know, he told me what happened. You know, I sat with him. I let him share how he felt. And then we talked about the boy that did this to him. And I said, what do you think is going on inside for him? You know, what do you think is happening? So, you know, we'll go into our whole conversation, but the intention of my conversation was for Brody to find empathy, you know, and to even find some compassion, Um, for this boy who we know, you know, he's a neighborhood kid, um, Mm -hmm. instead of just kind of shutting off to him, you know, and, and having that lesson that, you know, children who hurt people are hurting inside, right? So I, I think that's part of the beauty of your work.
1: Right. Well, you're modeling their repair. Um, and this is, and, and, and I position repair like that to happen, particularly important at the end of the day. Um, mm-hmm. it's important then because we set our brain up for, um, for eight hours of sleep in that, in that time.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you, have you ever been to sleep on an argument, Michelle?
0: Years ago. I don't even, I'm sure years ago, I don't do that right. now, but definitely right. in my twenties, you know, I'm close close engine towards 50 here um so it doesn't happen so much now but i do remember doing that in like with like boyfriends in college and that kind of thing
1: yeah and 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 do you remember what the first moments of the morning feel like if you've done that
0: oh so stressed (laughs) even if you're even if you're not fighting but there's some discord you know i had some discord recently with a friend which you know I don't know in my adult life there's not discord that often with my friends anymore you know we can usually talk about things and connect and so there was some discord and oh my gosh I was waking up thinking about it when I went to sleep at night trying to hold it made room for it but I'd wake up in the morning there it would be again so I can really connect to what you're talking about just in just discord you know with a friend Right, that's right,
1: and 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 so this is what's happening. So if if you you, you know if there's been an incident during the day um, where um, the sense of self has been challenged, and it, I no longer feel safe to be myself because I got bullied on the playground, it's just whatever it is. It's a little moment. These don't need to be big, significant, traumatic things. These are happening all the time developmentally. Yeah. Um, any moment that has. Um, this painful separation in it um, uh, can be resolved through loving connection, mm. and uh, and this is and, the, and this is the this is you know whether we're working with adults or whether we're working with kids. But as you said, let's let's try and avoid the kids having to do all of this um, journeying down the wrong path because they really are, we want them to be their brilliant selves. Um, we want them to be truly uh, truly creative. To give them space. Um, in a way that perhaps our parents didn't yet know about, our society didn't yet know about when we were growing up. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly apartheid South Africa had no idea how to language anything other than control. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, those those pathways are painful. Um, and I love what they just said. You, know, you sat down and you spoke to him about the neighbour and about the fact that he's probably hurting and then and then also made sure that there isn't like a revenge cycle about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um uh, uh and we come back into um you know right relationship with what it is to be a kind loving human being
0: yeah yeah and do you feel like a lot of what you're doing now um i mean i guess it has to be but i'd love for you to speak to like your experience growing up in in south africa do you feel like a lot of the work you're doing is kind of healing uh yes yeah i mean
1: i i i've really had to unravel quite a lot of my own past as as many as many of us have to do yes Uh, but as a simple example you know in my 20s i I consciously thought i think i should learn how to hug
0: how to what hug how to hug because you hadn't hugged
1: well i would no literally no i mean and this was the thing right that that, you know, my, my, parents who were completely loving and, you know, never, never laid a hand on me, um, also never laid a hand on me in, in, in softness and connection and contact. Wow. You know, my dad was, my dad was, uh, locked in, in his own way. And my mum was, uh, comes from Scottish background, which has a natural austerity and, you know, isn't really huggy. Um, and then, uh, and then I was the fat kid at school. So I got poked, pushed, punched and bullied, but I didn't get, uh, I didn't get hugged. So physical contact, um, <laughs> you know, it was genuinely very, very difficult for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and anyone coming close to me in a loving way would, would still trigger my defensive um, anticipation of something horrible happening to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, so, and so, you know, so I had to learn that. And, um, and because I learned those sort of things through the lens of an adult brain, I got to uh, identify some of the steps. And I think that those then come back into the stories, Um, Mm. you know, in in the simplicity of the stories that make them accessible for for adults and for kids. Um,
0: That's really beautiful. It's really beautiful, and we all we all teach what we need to learn. So maybe that's where the hug that got stuck came from. (laughs) (laughs) There somewhere. Um, So I know you've been talking a bit about um, the science of sleep. To stabilize and enhance memory, and this I'm assuming is also connected to the last 20 minutes of the day. Is that true or not? Can you speak a little bit it, to that? It,
1: yeah, it is true. So, so I don't think that anybody's doing. There's a there's so much neurophysiology and science that we that that is being studied at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, I also need to look at it through kind of partitions because nobody's looking at it quite through my lens and I'm not a scientist, so I'm a storyteller. Yes. Um, but, it, but it is clear that from the sleep scientists that, uh, that one of the key functions of sleep is to stabilize and enhance memory. Um, mm. And so uh, what do we want to stabilize and enhance? Are we going to create, um, you know, how's the brain working with good memory versus bad memory? Where's, where are things being partitioned? Which one's going to resurface to the front of the mind fastest? Um, these are the things that um, that we're looking at um, and so on the one level if we're stabilizing and enhancing a bad memory um, one of the ways that that looks is that the neural networks of fear will will become wider pathways than the neural networks of uh, say love or safety mm-hmm. um, and uh, and the, the the memory enhancement is leads to this kind of a re- repetitive action uh, in the TED talk I talk about the little brain people and Alexis has drawn those out for us we the little brain people running backwards and forwards going oh my god it's going to happen again um, and uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, like I say I want to make uh, science accessible through my world of story um, mm-hmm. the good news about neuroplasticity is that it's also very clearly um, uh, reprogrammable and even if we've we've uh, set up a pathway that um, predetermines us to feel unsafe in a certain situation, uh, we can build a new pathway that um, that challenges that, um, and we can uh, we can calm those little brain people down a little bit.
0: Mm, and I could even imagine, um, you know, sometimes when I'm journaling and you know I'm struggling with something or there's a problem or issue, I'll often. Um, try to write like what could be the best possible outcome? You know, often if I'm needing to have a difficult conversation as well with someone, um, that's a question I often ask myself, like what what is the best, what, what could I imagine as the best possible outcome? So I can almost imagine using this in a way of, you know, thinking, having a memory, noticing, you know, we have to have mindfulness to notice that we're having that memory and that it's mm-hmm. causing us you know some constriction or stress or worry and then to um to imagine you know what's possible right i, I can imagine having some practices around this
1: right then that, yeah. that, that imagine that imagination um uh practice is doing that neural network formation process so you you start mm. to develop positive neural networks so i did a um, an amazing training by uh, Susan Anderson, which was a, an abandonment recovery workshop, uh, mm. um, you know, a little off topic, but but one of the things that she had people do who are suffering from the pain of, of, um, of abandoned. Life. Yes. Is to visualize your, uh, a house, visualize your, you know, a totally, a totally imaginary home and then go and visit that home, you know, often and keep visiting it because it does this thing in the, in the, in the brain that it just settles us. It's like, Hey, I've got a place where I'm safe and where I belong. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that once it's created an imagination that's, that's good enough.
0: Yeah. And you're making me think of how, um, you know, I was adopted from a very young age from the time I was four months old and, and, for whatever reason, I've always had a very good relationship. You know, I'm sure my parents did a really good job with talking about it to me and always making me feel special. And, um, that this was something, you know, they picked me and all this. And as I got a little older, um, particularly when I got into my teen years, you know, and learned about like what abortion was, right. I'm like, well, they could have had, it wasn't quite legal, um, in the United States. When I was born, it was two years away from Roe versus Wade. But, um, but I didn't know that at the time. You know, I was too young to kind of know that, and and so I had this got this story in my mind of gratitude. You know, like wow, um, this person really, you know, gave me this gift of life. They didn't have to. And then when I had my first child, I remember holding him and thinking, "Oh my gosh!" Like it was the ultimate sacrifice you know, that this woman made, um, to ha- have me and hand me to someone else. And, um, so I do think this practice of gratitude, I know we're kind of getting off a little bit, but mm-hmm. it, we aren't really, cause it really is all connected to, <laughs> to your work yeah. and the books. And, um, you know, when we take on these kinds of practices and we read these kinds of books at the end of the day that point us to these kinds of stories and this storytelling, it, it, it shifts our neuroplasticity like you were just, you were just speaking to.
1: Right. And, and if, if you've seen uh, Wanting to Be My Neighbor, the, the, oh. doctor, the, the Mr. Rogers movie. Now, I didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers in South Africa. Oh. So the first introduction to the man. Wow, I love that. But there we were in the full cinema in the last minute of a movie doing a gratitude practice. Yes. Yeah. And, oh. and we just sat. And and this softness came, and we and the tears came, yeah. and then the lights came on, and everybody kind of said it was like I, I got to hug somebody because.
0: <laughs> I know I'm getting goosebumps everywhere. I'm remembering the end of that movie. Ugh.
1: Yeah, I mean these are the the little activity pages that I that I that come in at the back of the stories, um, uh, reflection pages like the you know like the daily hug meter that we put at the back there. Um, so you had to, you, you know, Virginia Satir was the family therapist or the woman who in fact founded family therapy way back when she said, you need four hugs a day to survive, eight to maintain and 12 to thrive. And if we get this little reminder at the end of our day, when we're sitting with our kids, we can go, wait, is my heart full? Or, can, or, or like, who did we get hugs from? Who are we going to give hugs to tomorrow? And we're creating a sense of belonging and continuity.
0: Um, oh, I love that. I love that until they turn 15, at least my older son. Now I'm 14. I can't get a hug every once, once a month, you know, every few weeks. I'm like, okay, Tyler, I'm ready for my hug. Like it needs to be long. (laughs) It needs to be (laughs) full, And he'll be like, okay, mom. You know, and we do a big, long hug. And so I get my like big, I get my 12 hugs a day and one hug a month. (laughs) From my teenager, but I'll take it. I'll
1: take it. You mentioned a minute ago the sort of uh, the, the the sacrifice of, of motherhood in in one context. Here's the, here's another context. But it, and 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 for me, I mean, I've just got this this. Uh, it, it, I had to develop it. I will say, I had to develop the appreciation of my own mother. Um, it, it, mm-hmm. You know, there were plenty of years when I was like a teenage son, going, "Oh my god, I roll." Um, wow. um, mom wants something from me and, and, and hell no. Um, but, uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, poor mom. We're trying so I, I hard, know, Andrew. I,
1: it's, it's hard, isn't it?
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, so, and, 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 uh, and so many beautiful moments and, you know, and so challenging and uh, you know, this is, this is where like Dr. Shafali's work comes in. If you, we want to, Yes. Uh, you know, the most challenging thing for our own personal awakening, awakening is intimacy. Mm-hmm. And um, and you want an intimate relationship, be a mother to a child um, mm-hmm. and see what shows up. Yes,
0: beautiful. Um, another thing I know you've been interested in is this um, discovery of the year. Dr. Becky yeah. Bailey, Conscious Discipline. Oh, she has ConsciousDiscipline.com, which I have not spent time with um so i'd love to hear about why you love this resource
1: um well dr becky bailey's been been uh, talking this way and working with teachers for 20 years uh or how or, do i not or, know her I, that's what i thought when i met her and that was uh, that was exactly the um the thinking and um she she had this uh, her, 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 typically she goes out to other conferences and she gets invited to be keynotes and things like that she hosted her first conference thought that a couple of hundred people would come and they closed the doors at a thousand teachers wow and that, they, that's that's really where I got to see um, the brilliance of her work. Um, we were talking about the brain. She uh, she also looks at that. She looks at the brain and the three levels of the executive function where we've got we've got our we've got our isht together. Um, and uh, and then there's this emotional brain in the middle, which just tells us a few stories that that oh, um, feel very real at the mo- in the moment, mm-hmm. but and don't necessarily support us. And then there's the survival brain state. Um, and what I loved about her work was how skillfully she was um, uh, introducing these three states and then how to respond and uh, to teachers and to parents, because when your little one's in that survival state, mm-hmm. um, uh, reasoning with them doesn't work, telling them, uh, telling them things doesn't work, almost trying to get them to stop a behavior doesn't work because they're in panic. You know, they're in fight or flight. Mm-hmm. Um, um, actually, there actually the, there's a there's fight, flight, freeze, yes. faint, or sleep. So yeah. um, you know, and those are things that uh, um, those those faint and sleep are, are interesting just to pay attention to as well. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but um, I mean, one thing from from Dr Becky Bailey, and she taught all of her teachers. She said the first thing you do is pause, take a breath.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah. And and wish them well wish them well and she says you do nothing before you don't step in you don't say anything you do nothing before that mm. and i'm like if that alone i'm like wow if we have uh, the teachers of these kids those thousand teachers who are out there from that conference who are all practicing this with their with their classes around the country i'm like my heart warms i'm
0: like yes wow wish them well. it's is a beautiful way to do a loving kindness practice i mean it's just gorgeous
1: yeah and then, and then another little snippet, which was, which was very clear for me, is is um, m- my external words, my external language becomes mm-hmm. your internal language.
0: My external language becomes your internal language. Yes, absolutely.
1: Mm-hmm. And so, and so, congruence is really important for me. My inter- I have to be congruent with how I act and what I say, because that um, models that for them and. We want our kids being congruent with how they feel and what they say and how they act.
0: Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Andrew, I'd like to ask you a little bit about you and your journey um, because you've been all over the country, maybe even all over the world with these books and this mission of yours. Um, What are you, what have you learned over the last few years? Like what stands out to you in, in your own learning, your own personal development in this journey?
1: You know, I continue to learn how to make contact and connection. Mm-hmm. I think it's just—I think it's a—I think it's a practice, like, um, uh, like you know, your mindfulness is a practice. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I I get to learn it in all sorts of places. This is what we get to practice every day with our kids. Um, uh, for me, you know, I, I do things like equine psychotherapy, and I learn. Learn how to work with horses and clients uh, in, in working as a, a, a healer um, um, and, and doing advanced counseling skills. It's the same thing. It's like the, that, that contact is needed. We need to be able to meet. We need to, you know, how we meet and the, the, the quality of the touch and the connection um, is what then enables um, something deeper to happen. Mm. Um, and so i feel like i'm i'm learning and nurturing how to create how to create contact and therefore safety safe contact safe connection
0: mm. beautiful beautiful
1: uh, and and from from the guy who didn't know how to hug i i gotta say that it, it's you know it's, it's a work in progress right i mean i uh uh I, I definitely definitely don't get it right all the time. I got some big some big gum boots that I put on and walk walk over over little things that I didn't mean to squash and then I'm like, oh no. <gasps> <Yeah. Okay. laughs> right. Then we learn to
0: forgive ourselves. Oh forgiveness uh-huh. is a big one.
1: And then we go into repair, right? Uh-huh. Um, and um you know there's this uh in your in your favorite news story, the the girl with waterfall eyes. Uh-huh. Um you know there's this moment where she stops uh she stops walking because she's scared that she might she might stand on something precious It's a very dark image I don't know if we can see her
0: oh wow, yes, beautiful
1: because I don't want to stand on anything precious I want to walk with um, with presence and with fullness of self but with also inner you know, kindness and awareness of what's around me
0: um, Really beautiful that it doesn't seem like anything else needs to be said. (laughs) That's really beautiful. Andrew, thank you for spending this time and for sharing all of your gifts. And um, it's, you know, this will be shared with everyone way before Christmas this year of 2018 and and beyond. And um, your your conscious bedtime stories um, is such a beautiful gift to give to someone, the club, and then children get to... Every month, get a new book in the mail. It's so exciting. It's so. It so doesn't happen anymore. You know, we don't do book clubs anymore. You know, I remember doing that when I was young, and um, I just love that you're. That's one of the ways that you're sharing your books with the world. Of course, you can get them on Amazon too, but yeah. um, to have them show up in the mail each month is so precious. And it,
1: you know, it supports parents who've decided or to create a specific type of intentional atmosphere in the home yeah. um, by having that book come in each month. There's just that little reminder of going, oh yeah, that's right. We, we said the last 20 minutes, we value that. We want the quality of connection. We want this type of message to be available for our little ones. Um, we can do it all at once, but, uh, or we can have a year worth of this atmosphere. Yeah,
0: so fun, so fun. What's well, been? It's always fun to get some time with you. And we're gonna have to do. I think we're gonna have to do a special podcast episode on, on um, the girl with the waterfall eyes.
1: Yeah, my favorite. Yeah, right, we'll just we'll we'll get a few people from the community and and see uh, see what their kids are saying about Maybe it.
0: We can and, get some kids on.
1: Yeah. To reflect and,
0: uh, on it. All right, we already got new ideas, new ideas. That's that's for the future. Well, thank you again for being with us. Thanks, Michelle. A great pleasure. I appreciate it. And we'll say goodbye to Andrew and goodbye to all of you out there. May you meet this moment fully. May you meet this moment with kindness towards yourself and others. Thanks for gifting us your time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mindful Parenting
1: in a Messy World. Michelle's new book, Mindful Parenting in a Messy World, Living with Presence and Parenting with Purpose, is now available at Amazon and at mindfulparentingbook.com. Get your copy today.